Welcome to The Middle Podcast. My name is Jim Nelson, your host, and this production is a ministry of Living Word Church in Oak Harbor, Washington. This is going to be a great 30 minutes. I have to be honest with everyone. For the last six to eight weeks, I've been preparing for this because this may be the most relevant conversation that we could have considering Drew's most recent sermon series, Who is Next? So what is the most relevant way to respond to a discussion about transitional leadership in the church? Well, it's talk to the next generation of church leaders. And for us here at Living Word, that's our interns. Thank you for joining the Middle Podcast this week. We'll be right back with our guests. All right, to get this started, take a quick second to introduce yourselves. Tell us what ministry area you really have passion for, and then give me one show or movie that I need to watch because I really stink at choices on Netflix. Colby. So I'm Colby. Um, uh, I work a lot with youth. That's kind of my interest and where I feel called. Um, What I would recommend to you is Grey's Anatomy. Okay. It's been on a while. Yes. It's still going, too. I used to watch that in the 90s. I'm... Andrew Lawson. Uh, my main focus right now is middle school ministry and high school ministry. And probably my go-to show would be Parks and Rec. <laughs> good choice, good choice. <laughs> Except the last season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam? Um, I'm Sam. My ministry focus is a little undecided at this moment, and I would recommend Criminal Minds. Okay. Caleb? I'm Kayla. I don't really know what I'm going to focus on, but I would recommend Psych. It's no longer on Netflix, but it's still great. It's got a princess out of it. Oh, no, that, that wasn't... Was that Psych with, that uh, Meghan Markle was in? No. I don't no, know. No, Suits. <laughs> suits. Suits, that's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, my name is Carter Lidicoke, and my ministry interest is next-gen slash learning just how to be an executive pastor. Okay. And I would recommend not a TV show, it's a movie, The Founder. Never seen it. Yeah, look it up. It's good. It's okay. on Netflix. The founder. The founder. Mr. Cole. Uh, my name is Cole. I'd like to be a pastor. I don't know if it's like restricted to a certain area. I just don't want to be all over the place. Um, and I would recommend Andy Griffith because of more fashion, but Netflix took it off apparently. So, but yeah, Andy Griffith. They come and go. Every month I get, yeah. I find an article that tells me what's leaving Netflix and what's know, coming on. But <laughs> that's life that happens. All right. I'm working through a book by David Kinnaman and Mark Matlock called Faith for Exiles, and their words are meant for every generation that exists now in the church, Um, but it's mostly focused on a healthy perspective of of your guys' generation. So that's really why I wanted to talk to you today. And they write, from a cultural perspective, God has been squeezed to the margins. This transition of faith is not new, and the tension it produces has been felt across many generations, from my generation, Gen X, through the millennials, and now your old generation has a couple different names, but Gen Z or the iGen. So for the most part, they continue, the pace of change was slow during Gen X and the millennial generations. But in Gen Z's lifetime, your guys' lifetime, the pace of cultural change has been incredibly rapid. I mean, it's literally sometimes hours, hours can change change a culture mindset. And it's been so rapid that the Bible is really just one minor voice in a vast sea of voices competing for the minds of our young people. I podcast Pastor Matt Chandler down in Dallas, and he says it this way. He says, everybody is preaching to you. Not everyone is preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a commercial, whether it's a news story, whether it's on your Instagram feed, everybody has a message and they want you to hear it. And your generation is particularly vulnerable uh, because you guys came to age with 
this thing in your hands, you know, this, all that information. And I'm not here to talk bad about technology or something, anything like that. I love my iPhone. I love Google. I love the vast amount of information that's available. I'll sit in a hotel room and come up with ideas for this podcast itself. And I'm on Google, like, <laughs> what, what is the answer? You know, what can I be asking about? So in 2019, digital content wasn't really Christian focused and it wasn't discipleship focused and evangelism focused. But suddenly in March 2020, it needed to be, right? It really needs to be. So my first question to you today is this, knowing all of these competing sources, what strategies are you using to guard your faith against the massive amount of digital information that you receive every day that communicates primarily a counter ideology? I think for me, uh, it's been a more focus on weighing things against the spirit as Paul called us to do. Going back to Scripture and trying to find truth in Scripture, but also trying to find um, and pray for uh, affirmation in what we are doing and what is truth, and trying to find out where the Lord is leading us in that, um, whether it is to stand up for something that we believe in, or it is to just sit and listen and try to learn from what we're seeing and what other people are doing. So I think through that, it's just a lot of weighing it against the Spirit. Okay. Okay. Any other thoughts? I think I practically um, try to limit the sources that I let influence me. Okay. Um, so things like social media, things like certain news platforms and such, I try to do my own research mm-hmm. and allow myself to be well-informed rather than just believing everything I see. I used to be more that way where I was like, oh, oh my gosh, did you see this thing on wherever? And um, that didn't serve me well. And it didn't allow me to be well informed for those around me. Um, And so I think allowing myself to do the research and take the time to look at things that are important to me um, and allow that to influence my faith and my opinions is what I've really let, especially in this last six months or so, um, influence me and change me yeah six months there's been a lot of uh for me i think it's something practical that i do is i just i take a step back you know i sabbath is something that's very important biblically and even nowadays and it's important to in my own life to take a step back digitally from you know social media the news everything's flooded nowadays yeah And so being able to take a step back, turn off your phone, turn off the Wi-Fi, whatever you need to do, and to just breathe, take in scripture, you know, spend some time with God, you know, kind of discern over the last week of what you've been through Okay. to kind of take those steps. So a digital Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else practice that? I don't. (laughs) Let me throw this one out at you. The average use of social, well, not social media, digital media for your generation is about 3,000 hours a year, which breaks down to about eight hours a day. And then among Christians, a tenth of that is spiritual content. And for non-Christian Gen Zers, it's about 5%, which that's hope. That's hope right there, right? I thought it'd be like zero. How much of that eight hours, let's assume all of you guys are on eight hours, but that's might not be accurate. Um, but what percentage of the time you spend online is spiritual content as opposed to recreational or entertainment? I think it's hard to uh, 
give a percentage just because like I just think about Instagram you know mm-hmm. when I right. scroll through Instagram there's enough spiritual content that I'm following that I'll stop and watch a five minute segment from someone's sermon or yeah. listen to a new song by Phil Wickham or whatever so I think with that like I would say a lot of my content is spiritual content even if it is scrolling through Facebook and Instagram okay. the issue with that is having to balance out what's not mm-hmm. and trying to make yourself accountable to going and searching out spiritual content uh, by itself without having the distraction of everything else. Okay. Anybody else got a guess? And there's no wrong answer because I I quizzed people close to me, both my boys and then some of their friends that they're associated with. I just said, hey, give me me some numbers. I said that the average is 10% of spiritual content in our daily usage. They were all well below that because and you kind of hinted on it earlier if I'm in my Bible I'm in my Bible I'm not necessarily in my Bible app I'm in mm-hmm. my Bible and so that was yeah. an eye opener to me okay mm-hmm. any other thoughts yeah I'd, I'd say 10% is probably scarily accurate okay um, I mean just weighing out how much content is being created by Christians which is a fair amount yeah it's just it's nowhere near how much content is being created by every other Person. See, I think I would say 10%, but I think even in the last six months, it's probably grown to 20, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Just because we've had to change the way we do things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I listened to a podcast with Nona Jones, and, and she said in 2019, the Barner Research Group is a, is a research group that just looks at Christianity and America and around the world, and you know where do we sit and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of 2019, she said there was a question on their survey that said, how important is digital ministry to your church going into 2020? And it barely registered, you know, barely registered after everybody's answer. And then that question in March 2020 or April 2020 was like, it is number one. We got to do it. So mm-hmm. let's kind of let's kind of keep talking about social media. How important will social media be in your guys' views uh, and digital Christian content, especially video, for you to reach not only the unchurched. Uh, but also those who, who have left the church, because a large percentage of iGen or Gen Z have left the church. How important is that digital content going to be? I think it's going to be growingly more important. I think even now seeing like, what a global pandemic does to how we access people and how we reach people, because yeah. to say in five years there's not something else that we have to push more, um, social media and online access. I think about our church specifically, we're a military town, and so we reach people that aren't even in our town that have been deployed or have been um, sent to yeah. be stationed somewhere else. Yeah. And so the fact that we can reach those people, I think it's going to become even more important that we're actively on social media and creating digital access to our content. Mm-hmm. Um and you see all the research of, like, you need to be posting two or three times a day to actually be reaching the people that aren't a part of your platform already. Yeah. And so I think it's only going to get harder, so then it's going to be even more important to keep growing it. What do you guys think? All good points. Yeah. <laughs> Does it need to be different, though? Does it need to be different? Because one thing the Barner Research Group found, Easter was, everybody was watching Easter. And then after that... It just drops off. Mm. Is it a matter of content that keeps people engaged? To kind of speak to that a little bit, I think of attention spans. Yeah. 
the the average attention span of Gen Z is if you don't hook them in the first eight seconds, they're done. I think it's probably less than eight seconds, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I mean, I think of the most popular mm-hmm. most popular app, TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. 15 second videos. 15 seconds long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you can scroll in there for hours. It's just how it works. Yeah. And so for, for having a church service that's an hour and 20 minutes long, yeah. the average 15 year old seeing a YouTube video that's an hour and 20 minutes long probably not going to click on it. Yeah. You know, and so, so kind of taking this next step into social media and into, to ministry digitally is making bite-sized sermons that can lead into further conversations. Right. Further conversations via social media or in person or what? Yeah. I mean, whatever it wants to look like. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's St. Nona Nona Jones challenged the, the church to embrace a social ministry concept instead of a social media concept because in social media you're just broadcasting you're saying here here's what our church is doing come to our church but in a social ministry you're putting out programs that foster evangelism opportunities and to build discipleship relationships um, and that she says that's when the power and influence of social media can really be harnessed for the gospel so that's an awesome thought your thoughts on that I think we kind of touched on it a little bit but any other thoughts on uh, the power of social media for discipleship and evangelism we have to be bite-sized mm-hmm. and you know I, the one thing I do like with Instagram is you can have that what is it 60 seconds beforehand before it's like a five minute video right yeah. that's one thing if you can put the content that's going to grab somebody and grab their attention there then it leads to well they look at this five minute video and they're like wow I really need to have this conversation and then it ends up in a message and then it's a text and then it's meeting in person mm-hmm. and I think for us it's like we have to find out how to be relational in a world that is separated and it will continue to be separated even without a pandemic sure yeah well I think of conversations that I've had with even Drew over the last couple of months is we will be live streaming services, making digital content, and having a digital community since, or ever until Jesus comes back. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just the way that the world has been running since 09, you know, since the creation of Instagram, is it's just become more and more digital. Yeah. And if we're not on that platform, then we're not reaching the people. This will be a follow-up to Drew's sermon series, and I think it's really important, and David Kinneman is the author of this. He said, four questions be addressed by all church leaders as they're starting to to train up the next generation of leaders and give you an opportunity to answer these questions. So I threw them up there on the board just uh, for easy access, but I'm going to read them for our listeners, and the four questions go like this. What is the church doing right that we can celebrate? What is the church doing wrong that we can fix or even discard? What is missing that the church can create to help you lead in the future? And what is being done now that is confusing and needs to be clarified before you can begin transition? So what's right, what's wrong, what's missing, and what's confusing? We can do this in a lightning round. You can just, if you have an answer, just pick one of the questions, say what the question is real quick, and then launch into it. And I'll turn it over to to you guys. I would say what's missing right now um, is kind of 
we're not really equipped to talk about hard topics, topics that we kind of want to put away in the closet. And that's why last Sunday for me was great because Stacy came out and just talked about, you know, a hard topic. And I think that we need more of that because it's just as real as any other topic we have. Yeah. So, yeah. I think your generation is really good at recognizing fluff right. and going, yeah, got it already, you know, or not interested in that. So I, I think you got a point there, Colt's really, really good. And I think there's a thirst for the hard topics because it's something that probably even the generation before us didn't discuss until either it was too late or it was, you know, they're in their 20s or 30s. And we're wanting to talk about that when we're just turning 18. We're like, hey, we're going into adulthood. We want to be prepared. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, having that open mind of preparedness is one of the really good things that is coming out of this generation. Mm -hmm. It's just the thirst for knowledge. I don't know if it would fall under the category of wrong or missing, but I've been listening to a church's podcast, Transformation Church, and Michael Todd just did this whole series on relationships and what that looks like. But um, something he said that really kind of stuck with me and changed my mindset a little bit is just something about how the church has let society and culture define things that God's created. Okay. Um, and so I don't know if that would fall or wrong or missing or maybe both, but I think I have felt that since, and I haven't had the words for it in a um, since I felt it, but I think there's a lot of things that we let um, society and culture tell our generation, tell the generation before us that we don't tackle, like those hard so- topics and such. And so, so what were some of the topics that you listened to that he, he brought up? Um, I think a lot of like, racial reconciliation oh, okay. conversations, sure. a lot of conversations about sex, about um, just all of those things okay. that we uh, kind of shy away from because we have an opinion on them and what they look like, but maybe that's going to rub people the wrong way or it's mm-hmm. going to um, confuse people or frustrate people, and so we shy away from them. Yeah, oh, for um, sure. Yeah. Hey, we get into blaming a little bit, but and I, I, I want to bring both those back mm-hmm. uh, because, yeah, it fits right into that last question. Anything right, wrong, missing, confusing? I think what we're doing right is kind of happening now, not something that's been happening in the past Mm -hmm. couple of years. I think Mm -hmm. now we are turning to digital media. We are turning to the younger generation, and we're not creating content that is solely for 30-year-olds to 60-year-olds. We're now creating content that can be transferred to 30- and 60-year-olds from an 18- to 20-year-olds perspective or even our younger generation I feel like we have started to turn the tide in how we get people's attention and in a way how we reach people for Christ and how we have discipleship over a tele- over a cell phone yeah no, I think something that we're doing right is you know we're being the light of Jesus you know we love people well something I've experienced yeah. in this last year is we care for people well, we love them well, and I mean, I've been reached, I've been growing in my relationship with Jesus through conversations, through prayer, through whatever. And I feel like we're creating a space where that is more available. Okay. okay. What were you guys doing today? Because I think that's really, really important to the conversation today. Yeah, so we partnered with Spin Cafe yeah. back towards the beginning of quarantine. Yeah. And Spin Cafe, for those who don't know, is a organization that basically feeds the homeless. Uh, and so for the last six months, 
we've been making you know, five, six months, we've been making 25 to 35 lunches yeah. and we'll go drive down to a park and we'll sit there for two hours, passing out lunches, having conversations. Uh, a lot of the times those people just need someone to talk to. Yeah. They just need an ear to listen. And so at this point, they know you guys are down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're, are they waiting for you when you pull up? Kind yeah, of every time. That's awesome. Uh, That's just awesome. Take for instance, last week we, we pulled up and there was, there was 15, 20 people standing there and we passed them out. You know, there's a couple of people who we know by name now and they know our names. Yeah. And we can go up, ask about their days, how they're, how they're doing. Yeah. Well, and things like that are so important because as me and you talked about last week, seeing people that we talk to on a Monday uh, afternoon show up the next Sunday at church yeah, means that we're doing something that Christ has called us to do. We are serving people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. The excellent point. I mean, that, that is great. Thank you so much for doing that. I, I knew you guys were doing that because you drop off the extras at my house for, uh, for the, for the Haven. Well, Jesus says multiple times, I'm not of this world, but I'm in this world. And then mm-hmm. I couldn't find any references where that is imparted to us directly, but we're called to mimic and copy Jesus's life. So obviously that applies to us too. And I think you guys out there serving the homeless community in Oak Harbor is a perfect example of being not of this world, but in the world. So thanks for doing that. I really appreciate that. All right, then we're going to shift to the last question because I don't want to at all blame social media for all our problems and anything like that. But I'll pick up on what you guys are talking about, and that's a little bit of, resp- well, no, not a little bit of responsibility, a lot of responsibility on previous generations for how we taught. So the first pers- the first thing, and Kenneman talks about this in his book, is that uh, when we receive our sa- salvation, one of the two things happens. The good news is we are personally connected to the gospel of Christ, and that's awesome, and that's celebratory, and and something we can we can uh, live the life rest of our life under. But the not so useful news is we also tend to personally get connected to the method of our salvation. And I was kind of explaining a little bit earlier before we started taping that I can see this perfectly in my life because I got connected or I got saved in 1994 through a really technical scientific small group, and then I went to Promise Keepers shortly thereafter. I could easily see myself, because I do, sit down and start trying to disciple or to teach in a very technical, rigid way, and that might not be that effective right now. You know, so we get, we get the gospel of Jesus Christ, we get connected to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we also tend to get connected to the way that we were saved, and that might not be useful uh, during this time. So that keeps, us, that keeps me, I think, inside the box, and what we really need is thinking outside the box. The second thing is Christ uh, is that Christ-following Gen X parents have typically raised their disciples' kids to be citizens of Jerusalem. There's homogeny in thought, there's homogeny in language, and all this kind of thing. And we've taught everybody that that's how to be a Christian, is be a citizen of Jerusalem. Everybody kind of agrees with what you think and all that kind of stuff, but we couldn't be farther from the truth. And what his suggestion is, we've got to shift our the way we teach and the way we disciple to be exiles in a foreign country. So that leads me into my last question, which is, but what is there one thing that you would ask your future lead pastor that would help you in the evangelism and discipleship of your own generation and the following generations that you'll be leading? I think one important part uh, that may get looked over is relationship. Um, You know, we talk about 
this is the generation of social media and cell phones and I'd rather get a text than a call but mm-hmm. even in that um, there's still need for relationship there is a, a thirst for relationship in this world for every human um, and in that sense I think this generation has been put off as like they, they don't want anybody to talk to them that's not the case mm-hmm. um, I think even more now there's a need for relationship. There's a need for people to reach out when you think, you know, you're going to upset somebody by reaching out. They're, reach out anyways. Yeah. Okay. You say relationship, but I also think intentionality, um, specific relationship with people for very intentional reasons. Okay. Um, I think our generation and even the students that we work with, I think we're still the same generation, but younger than us. Yeah. Um, So far, they haven't made the next one. I looked this morning, they haven't made another one yet. Um, We we and they just want to be seen and known really deeply. Um, A lot of life circumstances are um, group mentality as far as I'm going to serve you this information to you as a group or I'm going to serve you this information or being in a group setting with you but sitting down with someone one-on-one and creating that time and creating that space for intentional conversations and relationship or remembering that someone during the weeks or you meet with somebody and they say oh and during this week there's like this exciting thing coming up and asking them about it next time you're seeing them hmm. um, so I think Yes, relationship also alongside with that is the intentionality behind it is um, no hidden motives. I just want to know you and be known by you and have a relationship with you for an intentional purpose. Okay. Would, would knowing that it's okay to fail be something you, you know, you might not come out exactly like that, but an understanding if, as you get in, you know, through your first couple of weeks of that next job or whatever and you've got some responsibilities knowing that there's a, uh, a a culture of yeah it's okay to mess up every now and then you know you just fix whatever was wrong and and go back at it is that something that's useful to hear from leaders oh absolutely yeah absolutely i mean we're a young generation that are just getting started in this thing called life yeah and we're gonna we're gonna make mistakes we're gonna fail and I think the the value of grace is immeasurable. Yeah. How about the freedom to think outside the box? Just to know that you can come up with that, what seems like that crazy (laughs) idea and pursue it until it is maybe just a crazy idea and you go, okay, well, that was just a crazy idea. But that freedom to at least know that that's out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think freedom to explore different options, explore mm-hmm. different ideas, and fail multiple times mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. you get that one idea that actually works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that openness to do that um, is so important for the leaders that are older than us right now to uh, feed into us uh, for this generation and even millennials at that point, too. I mean, we need to give each other grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I was saying. Yeah. All right. Hey, listen, I appreciate your time. We are at the, our time limit, and it's a little bit more than 15 seconds. So I'll work, so I'll work on that. I'll work on that. Thanks for joining us. I know everybody's going to enjoy this conversation. Thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to The Middle Podcast today. If you liked our conversation, please let others know and where they can find us. Join us next week as we continue the conversation around faith and the next generations. God bless. God bless.